In the name of the one holy and undivided Trinity. Amen. Please be seated. Today's story of Jesus calling the disciples is different. In the Gospels, according to Mark and Matthew, Jesus stands on the shore and compels the disciples to follow him. But in today's Gospel, Jesus goes fishing. Jesus gets in to Simon Peter's boat. I want us to remember that Jesus knows Simon Peter. He has been to his house, healed his mother-in-law, eaten with him. I don't know what kind of relationship they had, but they have shared a meal. Jesus does not wait then for Simon Peter to come to him. Jesus goes to the shore, climbs into Peter's boat, and speaks to him. When I listen to the story, I can imagine the crowd standing along the shore. I can see the fishermen cleaning their nets. I can imagine Simon Peter sitting in the boat next to Jesus, listening to him. The teaching, though, is not the point of this gospel today. We have no idea what stories Jesus tells or sayings he shares with them. It is what happens next that matters. Jesus turns to Simon Peter and says, let's go fishing. Now, Simon Peter is skeptical. I expect him to be, but he listens anyway, which I also expect. Peter is obedient even when he's uncertain. They cast their nets in the deep water and their catch is exceptional, dangerously abundant even. But Simon Peter's obedience changes his life. He falls down on his knees. Now this always catches me in a boat. That doesn't feel safe. Nevertheless, Simon Peter falls down on his knees in humility and there and then decides to leave everything and follow Jesus. Now, I don't think the word everything is hyperbolic. Simon Peter has a mother-in-law. Usually a spouse comes with one of those. And I imagine the wealth that Peter leaves behind. Imagine the value of all those fish they've just drug to shore. Something happens here that transforms Peter's life, compelling him to leave it all behind. Now, whenever one of the Gospels gives us a different version of a story that I think that I know really well, I begin to wonder why. What meaning does this story told in this way have for this particular community? Some say that the Gospel of Luke was written 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Some say 70 years. But either way, that's a long time. At least one generation has passed. And during those years, the first followers of Jesus actively anticipated his return. They expected any day that the Son of Man would come on clouds across the sky. They expected the apocalypse. God's reign on earth in their lifetime. Except it never happens. 
at least not in the way they expected. And I wonder how that felt for them, this unmet expectation of Jesus' imminent return. Imagine spending every day wondering, is today the day our king returns? And it never happens. Simon Peter is a leader among these people. With all his doubts and limitations, his ministry is foundational to the early church. Even Paul admits that. Peter's voice in many ways gives voice to the people, the other disciples, his community, the early church, us. His confession, his doubts, his redemption, look very similar to our own. And so I'll tell you that my favorite part of today's story is Peter's honesty. Jesus tells Peter to put the boat out in the deep water to keep fishing, and Peter tells the truth. Master, we have worked all night and caught nothing. It's exactly how I hear it. Are you sure, Jesus, are you sure we are experienced fishermen? We know our way around this lake, and we have failed. Do you really think you can do better than us? Okay, your choice, whatever you say, Lord. No matter what Peter really means, his truth-telling endears him to me. I can relate to an apostle who's a little snarky and not afraid to ask questions or speak their mind. Imagine hearing Peter tell this story after Jesus' resurrection, years later. Maybe it's around a campfire. Maybe the children are surrounding him, or maybe he's with his old friends. And he begins to tell the story. I remember the time Jesus and I went fishing. He tells the whole story, how he questioned Jesus, how the boats almost sank, how he fell on his knees right there in the boat, that this was the moment that changed his life. He would never forget it. And it didn't just change his life, it changed everything, the life of his family, his friends, the whole community. This was the moment when Simon Peter knew that Jesus was the one. How did he know? Well, there are two things in the story that I want us to notice. Deep water and wild abundance. The phrase deep water appears several times in the Greek translation of the Septuagint, that is the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, what we know as the Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures. Deep water refers to God's control over chaos. And whenever Jesus acts over or in water, he's teaching us something about his divine nature. And so this incredible catch of fish exposes who Jesus is. He is divine. And then let's talk about that impossible catch. Sounds a bit like a fisherman's tale to me, right? There were so many fish, our boats almost sank. You wouldn't believe it, how much fish we caught. 
It also sounds a little treacherous, hinting at danger, maybe even danger to come. Can we imagine the value of such a great catch? I'm betting that the tax collectors are watching what happens to those fish. And what about the risk of exposing who Jesus is? I'm guessing the authorities are paying attention to Peter's behavior. And there are moments like this to come, when Jesus will feed the 5,000 with a few loaves of bread, maybe some fish, or when Peter sits in the courtyard during Jesus' arrest. And at the heart of the story, beyond all the risk and the danger, is a solid promise that God's abundance presence is in their lives, actively working on their behalf. So I wonder, what does it mean to leave everything and follow Jesus? The disciples leave that huge catch of fish. I mean, that seems like a big deal. Imagine the security and wealth that would come from such a haul. I wonder if I would leave those fish or those crowds, if I would leave my life. Imagine hearing this story 40 to 70 years after Jesus' resurrection. Simon Peter is probably dead, likely martyred for his faith. The dangers of discipleship are very real, more than sinking boats because of a lot of fish. And to what end? Jesus has not returned. The kingdom of God does not reign. And then someone says, remember that first time Jesus went fishing with Peter? Perhaps the story gave the early church some hope for the future to keep spreading the gospel. I'll tell you that today the story gives me hope. I am weary of our current circumstances. In almost two full decades of ministry, I Never imagined missing an annual meeting. People told me I was brave for not coming to the annual meeting. Brave? What choice did I have? And for years I have ignored all these practical theologians who were telling the church, you better get on the internet. I'm like, really? And now I'm like, Jack, Richard, is the live stream working? Are we on? Are we on? Praying! that we're able to speak to people who cannot be with us. My children have not had a normal school year in almost two years. Everything seems hard, and I am tired. And Jesus says, let's go fishing. Put out into the deep water and let down your nets. And Simon does it. 
Despite all the hesitancy and his reasons not to listen, he goes fishing anyway, and it changes his whole life. And he leaves it all behind for that one reason, because Jesus showed up in his boat. Surely, surely Jesus is here in our boat, in the midst of our chaos. I am willing to trust that God is still God, present and active in all our circumstances, and I believe that following Jesus will transform all our chaos, drawing us closer and closer to God's kingdom. And I know that the, this belief is not cheap, and that it doesn't come cheaply, that it is more than a Sunday morning Jesus indeed meets us here and in our homes and in our work and then invites us into deep water, into the chaos of all our circumstances and our world. When we glimpse Jesus in our midst, be assured he is doing something and it will change everything. And I considered listing here all the ways Jesus might want to transform us, but you are a smart people. You know how God is working in you. I know that Jesus is doing a reckoning in my life, inviting me to let go of control, reminding me that mercy is ever-present, that love, love is worth every risk. And so I may spin my wheels trying to avoid the ways of Jesus's abundant, persistent faithfulness and mercy in my life and in our community. And then Jesus says, pay attention. Keep trying. God is working in our midst. And if we are to be witnesses, we must be ready to leave ourselves, all of it, behind and follow him no matter the cost. May God grant us the courage and will to do so.